Hey, I'm Tim Teague, and today we're reading out of 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 8. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly, in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we've never sought it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only the good news, but our lives too. This is the word of the Lord. I have this note that Huck wrote me that uh, hangs forever on the back of my closet. Um, He wrote me this note about how to get dressed in the morning. And it kind of came out of nowhere. He just brought it to me one morning and he said, this is just to help you out. And I keep it there because I don't super need instructions on how to get dressed in the morning, but I keep it there because I love him and it's precious and I think he's hilarious. Um, And also because it's one of the first things that he ever wrote to me. Everything's misspelled and the letters are hilarious and I love it. It was the first thing he wrote just to me. It wasn't a school project. He wasn't like practicing letters or something like that. He sat down at a table and he wrote this with me in mind. And maybe I should be concerned that he's concerned with my getting dress skills. But um, to me, it's worth keeping. I want it to hang there forever because I value him because it was one of the first things that he wrote to me. Um, we are going to spend time in First Thessalonians for the next couple of weeks in a series that we're calling Future People. And one of the distinguishing pieces, the, most, the distinguishing things about First Thessalonians is that it is believed to be the very first letter, letter that Paul wrote uh, that's in the New Testament. The first one. Um, we hear the story of Paul going to Thessalonica at the end of Acts, in dish of Acts, in Acts chapter 17. Uh, Luke tells us that Paul and Silas, they go to Thessalonica and they are bringing the good news of Jesus with them like they're doing everywhere that they go. This generous gospel of good news for everyone. And uh, the good news, it spreads like wildfire all throughout the city, which is amazing. Um, But the good news of Jesus, this generous gospel of Jesus as Lord, it goes in direct opposition to the practice of the city of Thessalonica, uh, where Caesar is Lord, where uh, the entire city worships Caesar um, in every way from like fertility to business. Um, And so things go really badly there for Paul and Silas. They're uh, thrown out of town and and it just goes bad. But, But the good news, it keeps on spreading. And so Timothy gets word to Paul and says, things are still going well uh, for the Thessalonian church. And and, and so we have this letter that we started reading last week, that this letter from an overjoyed Paul to a church that he is so proud of and so excited for, a church that is growing and thriving right in the midst of a deep political and social conflict. 
uh, 1 Thessalonians is a really timely book for us. Uh, In our text today, we have Paul talking about his ways and means um, in ministry in Thessalonica. And I wish we had time to break down all of what he's saying here. I I think it's so fascinating and it's so good. Um, But we have a really clear goal in our next few weeks in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Um, We want to use 1 Thessalonians to talk about what Paul has to say about our work as people of the kingdom, about our work as future people. Uh, We talk a lot about the kingdom of God here at the Vineyard um, because Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God. Um, In fact, I think you could argue that it's what he was always talking about. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, what we're talking about is the rule and reign of God on the earth. Uh, And the rule and reign of God, it means um, all of the broken in the world being put back to right, that God is in control, that that his rule and reign has spread out, and that everything gets put back to right. Uh, Often, when we talk about around here, we use the phrase, the already and the not yet kingdom. Um, It's the kingdom that is both already, uh, the life of Jesus launched the kingdom of God, it set it into motion, um, and the kingdom of God is also not yet fully realized. Uh, It it has also been commissioned to us, and it will find its fullness, its, its complete fulfillment in the return of Jesus. Part of following Jesus means uh, training ourselves to have eyes to see the kingdom at work all around us, and then also training our hearts and our bodies to find ways to join in that work, to join in the kingdom work. It means waking up to the idea that we have been empowered to bring fullness and flourishing and hope and healing to anything we see that's broken in the world. This is what it means to be a future person, to be a kingdom person. It means to be a person that has eyes to see the already of the kingdom at work and to be the kind of person that, that, that sees ourselves as on mission at what's coming in the future, the not yet, uh, to see ourselves as empowered to bring future fullness into the present day. Therefore, when we read the New Testament, um, the Gospels, the letters from Paul and the other pastors in the New Testament, when we do that, a really important way uh, to read these texts is to read them uh, through the lenses of the kingdom of God, to see them with kingdom eyes, to read them and look for clues as to what it looks like. What does the kingdom of God look like and what does it look like to live in it as a future person? I think one of Paul's best clues um, that he leaves us in these letters is found here in the last few verses that my dad read. Um, It's one, uh, it's an idea that comes up over and over and over again in Paul's letters. I want to read the last verse and a half uh, that my dad read again, the back half of verse seven and verse eight. It says this, we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. It uh, wasn't a strange thing in the first century for a traveling orator to, uh, to come to town. This happened all the time. Um, a sophist, that was the name for it, a sophist would come into town bringing a message, uh, entertainment or news or something enlightening for people. And sophists, they seemed to come um, offering something of value to the city. 
but instead of offering meaning, um, what sophists most often had to offer was manipulation. Uh, they would learn their way around the language of a people in order to manipulate their way into power. We can't relate uh, to this at all, right? Uh, sophists, they appeared to come bringing meaning and insight, but instead they came to make money or for sexual dalliance or to connect to the rich and powerful or all of the above. And so uh, Paul, he's uh, telling the Thessalonians in this verse that he and Silas were often assumed to be like the sophists, but that they came for a very different reason. That's what he wants to drive home in chapter two. He says, we came for love. We came for love. They came um, for something of great meaning, uh, but they brought with it love. No tricks. No gimmicks, no underlying motive of manipulation. They came for love, an unburdened and an innocent love. Paul said we came as innocent as children with a love that wasn't self-serving or lucrative or uh, predatory. He says they came with the love of a nursing mother to a child. That's a love that's generous in service to another. And he said that they didn't just share their words as a sophist would, but they shared their lives, the heart and soul and marrow and presence of their lives. That is a vulnerable kind of love. One of our clues in today's text about what it means to live as a future person is a clue, like I said, that, that lies in uh, everything Paul writes, but also all over the scriptures. Uh, to be a future person to live within the flourishing kingdom of God, we are to become people of great love. It sounds so simple. Oftentimes it's not. Uh, the message of Jesus, the, the good news that Paul talks about here, uh, it is so many things on so many levels, uh, but over and above everything, it is a message of love, of great love. And following Jesus, it, it means waking up to how deep and wide and long and high and wild the love of Jesus is for you. And it also means being transformed by that love into that kind of love. By the love of Jesus into a love that is deeper and wider and longer and higher and wilder for the world than we ever imagined. The story of the gospel of the good news is that God loved us so much that he gives us his son and that the love of Jesus was so great and so wild and so deep that he gives us his blood and his breath. The good news of Jesus means an offering of life, an offering of presence. God offers us life. Jesus offers us his life. It's an offering of life and presence. The kingdom of God is uh, full of the most generous and compassionate and steady love that takes place in presence. We say it often um, around Springbrook that um, the love of God is not moody. It's not capricious. It's, it's a love that knows no season of change. It is a love of substance, of meaning, a love without manipulation, only invitation. Jesus is never forcing anyone to do anything. He's always inviting. It's a love that is as full and free for the person who sees and accept it, accepts it as it is for the one who has nothing or wants nothing to do with it. 
Paul is reminding us that future people are to be more than anything else, people of great love, people who accept great love and people who show up in the world as both loved and loving people who group their lives around love. And that is really interesting in this time. Uh, at this time where the entire world is putting themselves into groups, a Republican, Democrat, mask wearing, non-mask wearing, a time where the current of society flows uh, so much around fear and greed and power and scarcity and distrust. Paul is reminding the Thessalonians and today the 2020 Americans, uh, we group our ethics and our practices and our lives around love. We group our ethics, our practices, and our lives around love. We as future people are supposed to flow in a different stream, follow a different current. The current of our stream that we follow isn't one of power the way the world sees power. Uh, the current of our stream is love. Love that is generous and hospitable and vulnerable. A kind and simple love. Paul is talking about loving people like Jesus loves. That's what he and Silas tried to do the, to the Thessalonians. And Jesus, he, he loves us on our worst day, not just our best day. Jesus, who loves with presence and offered us his life, his breath. Jesus, who wakes us up to a love that is always and forever generous and benevolent, who makes room for what is hard and dark and disagreeable and uh, does that with wisdom and kindness and courage. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I have found myself more than I ever have in my life that I can remember having to check in on my own heart, having to like assess my own heart and my own spirit constantly when it comes to love. I just listened to a podcast today about um, burnout. And this is what we, we've come through a really tough season. We're in the middle of a really tough season. And, and our emotions are burned out in so many ways. And that's been true for me, maybe for you too. I keep finding myself unable, uh, or it feels like I'm unable to access patience and curiosity and presence with people who believe differently than I do about the virus or racism or politics or uh, how I put my clothes on or whatever it is. Uh, I find myself avoiding or managing or trying to change someone's mind rather than just being present and curious with them. I find myself following the currents um, of society that don't look very much like love at all. And so I keep having to check in. I keep having to ask myself questions to see which current I'm floating in, which stream I'm following. I've started to try and ask myself, where am I becoming hard that Jesus was soft? Where are my edges sharp where Jesus was smooth? Where am I creating boundaries that Jesus tore down? Where am I searching for power uh, because it's flashier than love? Uh, where am I holding tight in places that Jesus was generous? Or where am I craving the uh, stature of abundance when uh, Jesus walked simply? Where am I holding and breeding resentment and judgment and assumption and fear in places that Jesus sowed love? More than ever in my life, I have had to, um, I have needed to put myself in proximity to the deep love of Jesus 
regularly, constantly. And if you're anything like me, you might benefit from the same thing. If you have found yourself burning out, if you have found yourself um, longing for access to uh, the patience and, and love that maybe you used to have, uh, you might benefit from the same thing of putting yourself in, uh, to, to steal a phrase from an author, in dangerous proximity to the love of Jesus. The current of today, the stream of today, it's its not a current of love. And so sometimes love feels like you're swimming upstream, like maybe even just through jello. Like it, it, it feels so hard sometimes. And so if we're going to show up in this world as future people, to show up in this world the way Paul and Silas showed up in Thessalonica, delighted to share not only the gospel uh, with the Thessalonians, but their lives as well, their presence, their curiosity, their wonder. If we want to show up in this world and love people like Jesus, then we have to put ourselves in proximity to him, to his single and relentless stance of love toward us, and in proximity to his spirit, which is the only way to be filled with that kind of love toward other people. Uh, we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks. Uh, but for Selah today, I want to bless you in this. I want to bless you in this proximity to Jesus, and I want to uh, bless you in this proximity to love, to, um, to bless you to wake up to love in your own life uh, for the good of the world. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to pray this blessing for our Selah today. The world is now too dangerous and too beautiful for anything but love. May your eyes be so blessed that you see God in everyone. Your ears so you hear the cry of the poor. May your hands be so blessed that everything you touch is a divine grace. Your lips so you speak nothing but the truth with love. May your feet be so blessed you run to those who need you. May your heart be so opened, so set on fire that your love, your love through Jesus changes everything. And may the blessing of the God who created you, who loves you, and who sustains you be with you now and always. May it be so. Amen.